Hello and welcome to WaveScan, the international DX program from Adventist World Radio. Researched and written in Indianapolis by Dr. Adrian Peterson and produced in the studios of WRMI Shortwave in Okeechobee, Florida. I'm Jeff White. This is edition NWS 713 for release on Sunday, October 23rd, 2022. On the program today, Tasmanian whales stranded again and the story of four medium wave stations. Damage from Hurricanes Fiona and Ian and our Australian DX report. Back two years ago, in the middle of September 2020, the largest stranding of whales in the known history of Australia took place on the west coast of the island state of Tasmania. That tragic event occurred near Ocean Beach and Macquarie Harbour, and it resulted in the death of 400 pilot whales, though 100 were coaxed and cajoled back into the deeper ocean waters. Here's Ray Robinson with more on that story. Well, Jeff, exactly two years later, to the very day, the same tragic event, a mass stranding of whales, occurred again at the same location, Ocean Beach and Macquarie Harbour on the west coast of the island of Tasmania. On this second occasion, in the middle of September 2022, 230 pilot whales were stranded, ashore and in shallow water, and tragically only 35 survived in spite of concerted rescue efforts. On that first occasion, two years ago, we presented the parallel story of the two medium-wave stations in the nearby town of Queenstown, the ABC7QN7RN and the commercial 7QT7XS. On this occasion, let's present another parallel story of two more medium-wave stations on the island of Tasmania, two double commercial stations, 7UV and 7AD, and 7DY and 7SD, in rural areas in the north of the island. Radio station 7UV was the first radio broadcasting station that was established on the northwest coast of Tasmania. The government PMG department issued the license for 7UV on September 30th, 1931. Station authorities made a search for a suitable location and set about constructing the station, which was inaugurated in a special broadcast on August 6th of the following year, 1932. The radio equipment for the new radio station was installed in a private home at 116 Queen Street in Ulverstone, quite close to the seashore, by the Findlay family from medium wave station 7LA in Launceston. The office secretary and personality announcer was Miss Kay Andrews, a member of a prominent local family. The station often carried advertising on behalf of commercial companies in Melbourne due to excellent propagation into the Gippsland farming areas of rural Victoria. Soon afterwards, the studios were transferred into the town hall on Ryby Street and the low-power transmitter on 1160 kHz was installed atop a low hill at Gawler, just a mile or two south of Ulverstone. A small temporary studio was incorporated into the transmitter hut. The two aerial masts stood at 200 feet apart. However, due to difficult local coverage, the height of the two aerial masts was extended by 50 feet some time later. 
One year after 7UV was opened, that's in 1933, it was bought by the all-night station 3AK in Melbourne, which was licensed back then to broadcast only during the hours of darkness. The transmitter power at 7UV was increased to 300 watts, and the frequency was changed to 1460 kHz, and one year later again, in 1934, it was changed to 900 kHz. But change was coming. In 1938, the station was sold back to the same Finlay company at 7LA who had helped establish the station seven years earlier. They built up a new transmitter facility at Don Heads, five miles northwest of the growing bustling town of Devonport, and they installed a remote studio in the Returned Servicemen's League building in Rook Street, Devonport. After 7UV at Ulverstone signed off for the night on Friday evening, March 8, 1940, the station engineers hurriedly removed the already renovated 300-watt transmitter, trucked it to the new site at Don Heads, and installed it ready to begin the new broadcast day under a new call sign 7AD. Initially, the projected call sign was 7DN. The AD in 7AD referred to Advertising Devonport, and also to the Advocate newspaper. At 8pm on the next day, Saturday, March the 9th, 1940, the 7UV Ulverstone studio signed off for the last time, and the new 7AD took over in its already established remote studio in Devonport. The newly elected state premier, the Honourable Mr R Cosgrove, delightedly opened the new station as his first official duty in office. As time went by, the new 7AD grew and changed. In 1952, there was an increase in power to 500 watts, still on 900 kHz. In 1953, the studios were transferred into the Launceston Bank building in Rook Street. A decade later, a new 2 kilowatt transmitter was installed, and by this time, a single tall tower was in use. And then, three years ago, in 2019... Medium Wave 7AD transferred to the FM band on 98.9 MHz at 2 Hillcrest Road. Gone was the long-remembered medium wave pair 7UV and 7AD that had served the northwest coast of Tasmania with its bright, cheery programming for a lengthy 87 years of significant radio history. Let's listen now to an old melody with the title Who's Been Polishing the Sun? This song was the theme music for the Sun Polishers Club, a children's club fostered by the staff at radio station 7DY in Derby, northeastern Tasmania. The total membership in the Sun Polishers Club was high, considerably more than 6,000 children. This world's becoming a gay one. I used to think it a grey one, but I discovered it's a one just now. Taken on a new meaning, it's very nice to be seen in. There's been a little spring cleaning somehow. Who's been polishing the sun, brightening the sky today? They must have known just how I like it. Everything's coming my way. Who's been teaching all the birds how to sing around the lake? They must have known just how I like it. Everything's coming my way. Yesterday everything looked anyhow Then I met someone and look at it now Who's been polishing?
ship in the sun, rubbing out the clouds of gray. They must have known just how I like it. Everything's coming my way. Now the world was getting all rusted, and I was getting disgusted. But everything has been dusted today. The sky's a little serener. The grass a little bit greener. There's been a vacuum cleaner this way. Who's been polishing the sun, brightening the sky today? They must have known just how I like it. Everything's coming my way. Who's been teaching all the birds how to sing around the lay? They must have known just how I like it. Everything's coming my way. Yesterday everything looked anyhow. Then I met someone and look at it now. Who's been polishing the sun, rubbing out the clouds of grey? They must have known just how I like it. Everything's coming my way. Crossover now to the other pair of radio stations that went through a similar cycle as did 7UV and 7AD in Ulverstone and Devonport in northwestern Tasmania. That second pair of regional medium wave stations were 7DY and 7SD in Derby and Scottsdale in northeastern Tasmania. Station 7DY was installed into a private homestead in typical farm country near Derby and Winalia in northeastern Tasmania. The town of Derby was remembered for two significant events. At the height of its success in the late 1800s and early 1900s, the open-cut tin mine near Derby was the most prosperous tin mine in the world. However, the load diminished, the mine was closed in 1948, and many local families migrated elsewhere. And then in early April 1929, heavy rains and flooding scourged all of the island state of Tasmania, with the most disastrous results in the northeast. The Derby flood of early April 1929 has been described as the worst natural disaster in the history of Tasmania. A report in the Hobart Daily newspaper, The Mercury, said, quote, Thousands of tons of water rushed at terrific speed down the narrow gorge to the township, uprooting trees and moving boulders of many tons weight as it passed. The first warning was given by the assistant manager of the mine, Mr W. A. Beamish, as the waters came in sight, travelling at terrible speed. And Mr Beamish, who's numbered among the seven men who were reported last night to be missing, 
was able to warn only those people who were in the mine's office before it was overwhelmed, and he himself was carried away. Unquote. Another historic report stated, quote, On the 4th of April 1929, following record rainfall, the dam which provided the water used by the Bryce Ice tin mine collapsed, and a wall of water up to a hundred feet high surged towards the town. The volume of water was so huge that it caused the Ringaruma River to reverse the direction of its flow as far as Branksholm, about five miles upstream. Unquote. So, as we said, the small commercial radio station 7DY had been installed into a country farmhouse on Station Road between Derby and Winnalia, and it was officially opened by the Tasmanian State Premier, the Honourable Mr. A. G. Ogilvie, on February 26, 1938. The station was owned by Doug Charlton and the Finlay family at 7LA in Launceston. The new 7DY was licensed for 100 watts on 1400 kHz, though initially it was on the air unofficially on 1390 kHz with a borrowed crystal from station 7BU in Burnie. Later that same year, the power level was increased to 200 watts, and in 1941 the station channel was moved to 1450 kHz. In September 1944, Station 7DY applied for a licence to broadcast from a location in central Tasmania at a high power level that would cover the whole island. Approval was granted for the station to move to that location, though it was required to operate at the same low power level of 200 watts and on the same frequency, 1450 kHz, already in use. Because of the untenable requirements, Station 7DY remained where it was, at Derby, at least for the next few years. In 1952, the power level was increased to 500 watts, and soon afterwards they requested another move, this time to the large city of Launceston, a request that was denied. Following that unsuccessful event, they then requested a move to Scottsdale, which actually was approved. The tin mine at Derby was closed and the population was diminished, but nearby Scottsdale was growing. The new 7SD at Scottsdale was officially opened by the state premier, now the Honourable Robert Cosgrove, the same premier who'd opened 7AD at Devonport 14 years earlier. The opening ceremony on Monday evening, September 13, 1954, was staged in Mechanics Hall in Scottsdale, and among the many participants were 18 local musicians, both instrumental and vocal. Initially, the 7DY transmitter at Derby with 500 watts on 1450 kHz was transferred to the new location at Lister's Lane in Scottsdale, where it was activated with a new call sign 7SD. The studios were installed in King Street. In 1958, the operating channel was changed from 1450 kHz to 540 kHz, and in mid-1962, a new 2 kW transmitter was installed at a new location in North Scottsdale. In 1975, 7SD underwent a power increase to 5 kW. But eventually, change had to come. Two years ago, in 2020, the 7SD medium-wave transmitter was closed, the studios were transferred from Scottsdale to the larger city of Launceston and the station sprouted three new FM outlets, 95.7 MHz in Scottsdale, 105.1 MHz in St Mary's and 92.1 MHz in St Helens. 
The studio building in Scottsdale was sold to Cheryl Martin in November 2020, and she opened the building as a new bric-a-brac, or historic souvenir store, under the title The Old Clock on the Wall. And thus Cheryl has epitomised the time call that announcer Bert Satrini used to make over the old 70Y as he announced the time. The leftover 7SD radio equipment in the building was transported to the Grants Broadcasters Building in Ballarat, Victoria, for subsequent display as an important historic old medium-wave radio station. So, gone also were that long-remembered medium-wave pair 70Y and 7SD that had served the northeast area of Tasmania with bright and cheery programming for a lengthy 82 years of significant radio history. Back to you, Jeff. Thank you very much, Ray Robinson at KVOH in Los Angeles. Dino Blois of the DX program Frequencia al Dia has informed us of the death of Dario Monferini on October 16th. Dario Monferini was, as Dino says, one of the great figures and most active DXers in the world. He lived in Milan, Italy. Dario was the founder of the well-known DX bulletin Play DX. He often attended the European DX Council, or EDXC, conferences. On a personal note, we met Dario at a number of EDXC conferences, and the last time we saw him was at the EDXC conference in 2018 in Bratislava, Slovakia, and Vienna, Austria. Those two cities are very close together, and the conference took place over five days, two and a half days in Bratislava, and two and a half days in Vienna. My wife and I had dinner with Dario at the EDXC banquet in Bratislava. He was at our table. Dario was an assiduous collector of radio station stickers. He traveled around the world, visiting radio stations and collecting their stickers. I would venture to say that Dario Monferini had the largest collection of radio station stickers in the world. A further update now on hurricane repairs at WRMI in Florida. The frequency of 15770 kHz is finally back up and operating 24 hours per day at the moment. The main target for 15770 is Europe, with additional coverage of the Middle East, North Africa, and Eastern North America. We have uh, additions of WaveScan that are on that frequency. Many of the programs that were previously transmitted on 7730 kHz to the same target areas have been transferred to 15770, while repairs are still being made to 7730. This past week, WRMI's engineers have been working on getting 5850, 7570, 7780, and 21525 kHz back on the air. So stay tuned for those frequencies to come back on in the coming days. Last week on Wayscan, we told you about the recent damage from Hurricane Fiona on Guadeloupe in the French Caribbean. Fiona went on to ravage Puerto Rico and then all the way up north to Atlantic Canada, the maritime provinces of Nova Scotia, New Brunswick, and Prince Edward Island, and on to the province of Newfoundland. Fiona was the worst hurricane to hit Canada in history. On September 24th, Fiona made landfall in Nova Scotia. Here's a report from CBC Radio News on the following day. 
As Hurricane Fiona tracks across eastern Canada, CBC News Network is your source for live, up-to-the-minute breaking news with an extensive team of reporters and meteorologists bringing you full storm coverage throughout the weekend. All the latest on Hurricane Fiona on CBC News Network. From CBC News, the world is our. I'm Pep Philpott. Post-tropical storm Fiona is pounding Atlantic Canada, then Halifax, the worst of the storm, has passed. Crews are now cleaning up from one of the largest storms to ever strike Canada. As Fiona made landfall, wind gusts topped about 180 kilometres an hour in Nova Scotia, tearing the roof off an apartment in Halifax. In some areas of Nova Scotia, it's now safe to assess the damage. James Murray has more from north of Halifax. Power has been out for much of this province for much of the day, since the wee hours of this morning, in fact, even before Fiona made landfall. The night was punctuated by crackles of power lines coming down, and they've stayed down. Peter Gregg is president and CEO of Nova Scotia Power. There will be multiple uh, power lines down across our service territory. We don't want anybody from the public approaching a power line. We don't want them near it. We don't want them touching branches that might be close to it or on it. As of now, at least three-quarters of the people here are without power. Many will likely be without it for days although it's too soon for any kind of official estimate on how long it will take repair crews to work their way through this mess, or even an exact guess of when they can begin. James Murray, CBC News, Annapolis Valley, Nova Scotia. After doing major damage in the maritime provinces, Fiona moved on to Newfoundland, the easternmost province in Canada. Here's a report from CBC Radio 1 in St. John's, Newfoundland. This is CBC Radio 1, 6.40 a.m. in St. John's. The CBC News is next. From CBC News, the world this hour. Newfoundland and Labrador Premier Andrew Fury says the photos don't do justice in capturing the devastation caused by Fiona. Fury made his comments after visiting Porto Basque, the community heavily damaged by the storm. For every roof that's floating in the ocean, there's a family, there's stories, and there's memories attached to that piece of infrastructure and and that's truly what's heartbreaking. The Premier says rebuilding could take months, perhaps a year and maybe even longer. That report from CBC Radio 1 in St. John's, Newfoundland. The 2022 Atlantic hurricane season continues until November 30th. Let's go now to Bob Padula in Melbourne, Australia. Welcome to another edition of the Australian DX Report. This is Bob Padula in Melbourne, Australia, bringing to you our latest roundup of news concerning shortwave broadcasting stations around the world. We include information concerning propagation reports, monitoring information, solar activity news, schedule information and other items of interest to shortwave monitoring enthusiasts. Now, some information concerning propagation and monitoring. Some advice for us to receive from the Ionospheric Prediction Service in Sydney, New South Wales, here in Australia. The latest solar forecast from the organisation says that the 10 centimetre solar radio flux has now moved to 135 and the daily equivalent sunspot number has been recorded as 89 and we are moving now into the early 
stages of the new sunspot cycle number 24. Solar activity has been at RO levels with several C-class flares being observed on the face of the Sun. There are currently five numbered sunspot regions on the solar disk. Solar activity is expected to be at ROR1 levels in the near future. A CME was observed in the LASCO imagery from the west at around midnight UTC. The solar wind speed late in September was at a steady incline and ranged from 360 to 738 kilometres per second and it's currently near 570 kilometres per second. The solar wind speed is expected to be near background levels at, at the time of preparation of the report with the possibility of increasing by the end of the period due to a coronal hole high-speed wind stream. So that's the summary of information received from the Ionospheric Prediction Service in Sydney, New South Wales, and we note that higher frequencies now are propagating more reliably on darkness paths. Just a reminder that full-detail ADXR QSL cards are available by contacting this address. The URL is simply adxr.org. I'll give it once again, adxr.org. At that address you'll find all the details about how you may send in a reception report and you can receive a QSL card via postal mail, that's physical postal mail, or via the internet. So until our next program. This is Bob in Melbourne, Victoria, Australia. Wishing you all good listening and thanks for being with us. Goodbye for now. Thank you, Bob. We had WaveScan today with Celtic music from CBFM Radio on Cape Breton Island in Nova Scotia, Canada. Thanks for listening to WaveScan, the international DX program from Adventist World Radio. Researched and written in Indianapolis by Adrian Peterson. Next week, we return to the radio story on the island of Guadeloupe in the Caribbean and our Indian DX report as well. WaveScan is heard weekly on KSDA in Guam, AWR relays in various locations, WRMI in Florida, WWCR in Tennessee, KVOH in Los Angeles, Voice of Hope Africa in Zambia, and IRRS Italy. Send reception reports directly to the station you're listening to. Reports for KSDA and AWR sites should go to qsl at awr.org. Other correspondence, not reception reports, can be sent to wavescan at awr.org. I'm Jeff White at WRMI Shortwave in Okeechobee, Florida. Till next week, good listening, everyone.